What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports for Monday, December 4th. I'm really excited. We have a lot of good stories today. Two really big breaking news stories happened this morning. The Giants head coach was fired, and last night there was a huge hire in the Pac-12 that I think will change everything for football in the Pac-12. I know who the NFL MVP is. We're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo's first start. It is Monday, December 4th. I'm really excited. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and I put my videos on YouTube. I put my full episodes on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I know there are lots of people out there that would love to listen to Strong Opinion Sports if they knew it existed and they just do not. So tell your friends about this show. I want to start today with this. The headline of the day for me was Ben McAdoo, the New York Giants head coach, was fired. He was fired. The general manager, Jerry Reese, was fired. And it really, really just was mind-boggling to me. I don't understand. I want more details right now, currently. I cannot... Like, what in the world are the Giants doing? I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. Because as it stands, the Giants were well on track to get the number two overall pick. They probably weren't going to win a game the rest of the year. They were done with Eli Manning. They were going to move on from Eli Manning. They had a bad coach that was going to lose them a ton of games. And it seemed like the Giants were perfectly set up and lined up to get the number two overall pick behind the Cleveland Browns. My fear is that by changing things, you're going to really mess that up. And you you really don't want to screw it up. You don't want to not have the number two overall pick. Currently, Steve Spagnuolo was going to take over as the interim head coach for the Giants. And my question is, when you, when you fire Ben McAdoo, what is the goal? What are we trying to do here? Are you trying to win games the rest of the year? Probably not. You're not going to save your season. Are you trying to... Is this change Eli Manning? I don't understand what, what the thinking behind firing Ben McAdoo is. My question is now, does it change the Eli Manning situation? It, it shouldn't change Eli Manning. It's, it's time for the Giants to move on from Eli Manning. I know that I know that he probably has another two years left in, in him to play. Like Eli Manning could be a successful quarterback for the next two years, but you're going to have a really high draft pick. And the guy's in his 14th season. This is a great time opportunity and a great time to segue into another quarterback. And you're telling me you're going to recommit to Eli Manning? What? Because today Eli Manning was also named the starter. It just makes no sense. What is the goal here? You name Eli Manning the starter again of the Giants. You fire the head coach. Are you committing to Eli and trying to win the rest of the games? Are you, I just, I don't know what the thinking behind this is. What I really think is happening is this is a PR move. This is for the fans that are criticizing the New York Giants. This is so all the people who have been critical and angry on Twitter and all over the internet and booing, they can now say, look, we fired the bad man who benched Eli. Aren't you happy now? And it's, it's a, it's a, if that's true, if firing Ben McAdoo is a PR decision for the Giants, that is a big mistake. Because it comes down to a business decision or a decision to make your fans happy. I, you had four weeks, four weeks left to put up with the dysfunction that was Ben McAdoo. And then you could move on. Now you bring all these other questions in. As it stands right now, assuming Sam Darnold comes out, the Giants were probably going to get Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. Now, I hope things don't change. I really don't. But we could see a resurgence of the team. Maybe the team rallies around Steve Spagnuolo. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I don't like it. I don't understand. 
I really don't understand why the Giants decided to do this. Again, what, are you going to win a bunch of games? What's the, what is the benefit of firing Ben McAdoo now? The only benefit is that now all the fans that are angry on Twitter aren't mad at you. And you're telling me you couldn't put up with that for one more month to go 0-4 in the month of December and then eventually have the number two overall pick. Maybe even, who knows, maybe the Browns go on some streak. It'll probably, it will probably work out for the Giants. The Giants will probably still have the number two overall pick come the NFL draft. But I just think you're on track. Why mess with it? Why mess with it? You were doing great. And, and now you've reintroduced Eli Manning. Maybe the team rallies around him. Who knows? You're tempting fate, and I don't like that. Also, I want to point out, we are all assuming that, we're assuming a lot from this year's NFL draft from quarterbacks. We're assuming that Josh Rosen, who's a junior, is going to come out. We're assuming Sam Darnold is going to come out. We're assuming Josh Allen is going to come out. It's not a done deal that any of these guys are going to leave college and enter the NFL. It really isn't. It's very possible that they could all stay in college, which is, that blows your mind. Then you have Baker Mayfield and Luke Falk as the only two quarterbacks in the draft, like the only two big-name quarterbacks in the draft. And Baker Mayfield and Luke Falk aren't that great. So we will find out. But I just want to point out that we are all assuming probably far too much from this year's NFL draft when it comes to quarterbacks. I want to talk about the college football playoff. Three teams got in and it was no surprise. It is no surprise that Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma all got into the college football playoff. They made it into the final four. They made it into the top four in the nation. Each of those teams has one loss, and they all won their division. They all won their conference. But then the final spot for the college football playoff really, really angered everybody. And it was so fun to watch. Oh my goodness, it was fun. You know me. I, I love the chaos that is college football. I think the storylines are way more fun, way more interesting when people are angry and upset. And the committee chose Alabama. For the number four team in the nation, the selection committee chose Alabama over Ohio State. Remember, Ohio State lost two games this year, and Ohio State won the Big Ten. Alabama did not win the Big Ten, and everybody's criticizing Alabama's strength of schedule. Here's why I really don't like the selection of Alabama. I don't like it for this reason. I don't like the precedent that it sets. So now in the future, we're going to have more teams that had weak schedules, and didn't win their conference. I don't like that. I want teams to schedule tough. I don't want a fear of scheduling tough games. You rewarded Alabama for scheduling a very easy schedule this season. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Ohio State, however, made their own bed. Everyone is saying, how could you leave Ohio State out? It's horrible. It's awful. Look, my coach in high school had a saying. He would say this, never leave it up to doubt. We lost a game one time where a ref made a bad call and we were all mad at the ref. And my coach pointed out, if you guys had just dominated all four quarters, we wouldn't have to worry about the ref making a call. Ohio State did this to themselves. Yeah, they probably got screwed over. Yeah, they probably could have made it in. But here's two facts about Ohio State. Ohio State lost 55-24 to to Iowa, an unranked team. And they could have made a statement. They could have just obliterated Wisconsin this weekend, and they did not. They did not 
make a statement when they beat Wisconsin this weekend. Clemson trounced Miami. In the ACC Conference Championship game, Clemson annihilated Miami. Ohio State could have done that. They could have stepped on the neck of Wisconsin and really drove them into the ground and made a statement, and they did not. That was a huge, huge key, I believe, for the selection committee. If Ohio State blows out Wisconsin 38 to nothing, they're in. If Ohio State doesn't lose to Iowa earlier in the year, they're in. If they beat Oklahoma, they're in. They lost two games, and they had a chance to really make a statement, and they did not. Ohio State has no one to blame but themselves for not getting into the college football playoff. I really believe Ohio State should have got in, but that's not the hill I want to die on. Again, leave no doubt. But here's what bothers me the most. I keep going back and forth. I'm trying to convince myself that I'm okay with Alabama being selected and not Ohio State. Here's what I really don't like. I, I, I really do not like the fact that the Big Ten did not get into the college football playoff. There wasn't a single team that made it in. The Big Ten is the best conference in football. Like Penn State plays UW Washington in some bowl game, and they're just going to annihilate Washington. I can't wait to watch it. The Big Ten is unbelievable. And because the Big Ten is so good, the Big Ten has the strongest schedules in all of the nation. Every Big Ten team (laughs) plays the toughest schedule because their whole conference is littered with good teams. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. Endless teams that are really good and really challenged teams nationally. Again, it goes back to strength of schedule. I really believe that Ohio State easily could have competed in the college football playoff. But I'm trying to keep calm. I'm trying to convince myself it's okay. I'm not angry. I'm not too upset. Because here's why. Here's why I'm not super angry and super upset that Ohio State didn't get in. I already said they could have left, no doubt. They could have done that. But the bottom line is we get two really great football games coming up soon. We have Clemson versus Alabama. That is going to be a great, great football game. I can't wait for that. And then we're going to get Oklahoma and Georgia. Two matchups I can't wait to see. I want to see if Baker Mayfield can compete with Georgia. Can Baker Mayfield get his team to the national championship? That would be super fun. Will we get Alabama and Georgia, two SEC teams, finally playing each other in the national championship? That'd be egregious. I would hate that. <laughs> Honestly, as a fan of, not a fan of the SEC, not a fan of Alabama, I would hate that. But it's interesting. It's a good storyline. And we're going to get Clemson playing Alabama to get into the national championship. A rematch of last year's national championship. The storylines write themselves. So even though I'm upset that Ohio State didn't get in, and even though you can argue that Ohio State could have been shafted, I mean, look, we're going to get great football games with good storylines. So I'm not going to complain too much. Did Ohio State get screwed? Maybe. But they could have left no doubt. They could have beaten Iowa, and they could have really made a statement and trounced Wisconsin. They did not. There's no one to blame but Ohio State for not getting into the college football playoff. There was a huge, huge hire this weekend in the Pac-12. It was a surprising, surprising thing that happened. I think it shakes up and changes everything about the Pac-12. My name is Zach Schalmer. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, 
the big hire in the Pac-12. We'll talk about Russell Wilson, and we will talk about Jimmy Garoppolo's first start as a 49er. Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Tell your friends about this show. I want it to grow. We are growing. I want to continue to grow. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. This weekend, Herm Edwards was hired as Arizona State's new head football coach. Wow, it just, it was a home run. I love this. I think this is a fantastic, fantastic hire. Arizona State couldn't have done much better when it comes to hiring a new head coach. My dad and I, uh, I text my dad very often. We, we talk about football. It's really fun. And uh, my dad asked me, if you can sum this up to one sentence, what would you say? And I said, people will want to play for Herm Edwards. People are drawn to passion. My favorite musical artist, John Bellion, I watch his videos and you can tell it leaks out of him. The guy loves what he does. It's his passion. He loves making music. It's why I'm drawn to him. It is very clear that Herm Edwards loves football. It leaks out of the guy. You can't look at him and think, oh, this guy doesn't love football. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. That's recruits. That's current players. People will want to play for Herm Edwards. First of all, this guy's going to dominate with recruiting. Herm Edwards is going to absolutely kill it when it comes to recruiting. He's going to, I talk about mutants, which are like the, when you, ha, when you, the way college football works, I've said this many times, you as a coach, your job is to recruit big players that just beat up on other teams. Herm Edwards is going to recruit big time, big time recruits to Arizona State. I believe Herm Edwards will beat Chip Kelly soon with mutant athletes. We talked about, you say they got this huge hire. I think Herm Edwards is a better hire than Chip Kelly. Herm Edwards is a better recruiter. And college football is one with recruiting, not with offensive schemes. I can't wait to watch. In the next couple years, we're going to see Herm Edwards, a defensive-minded guy, go up against Chip Kelly, an offensive-minded guy at UCLA. Arizona State and UCLA is going to be a new, fantastic, fantastic rivalry that I can't wait to see. USC is suddenly irrelevant. No one, USC has Sam Darnold. Once Sam Darnold is gone, man, we're going to be talking a lot about UCLA and a lot about Arizona State and not a lot about USC. I am very excited to see what Herm Edwards does at Arizona State. The other thing about uh, people who are passionate, you follow a guy into battle. He gives you a war cry. He gives you a battle cry. You want to follow that guy into battle. And that is who Herm Edwards is. Look up Herm Edwards. He did a speech to the, the at the Rookie Symposium a couple years ago. And you're just like, I'm ready to jump through a brick wall for this guy. It's unbelievable. Herm Edwards it could be a motivational speaker if he wasn't too busy being a broadcaster or coaching college football. Herm Edwards is unbelievable. His energy and passion leaks out. I cannot wait to see. Just watch. Watch what happens over the next couple years. Herm Edwards was a huge fantastic hire for Arizona State. He is going to do a lot of big things. And we will very quickly forget about USC. And I think, honestly, we're going to very quickly forget about Chip Kelly because Herm Edwards is going to dominate at Arizona State. All right. Last night, we saw the Eagles and the Seahawks play a fantastic football game. It was great. It's a ton of fun to watch. That could very easily be the... NFC Championship to get into the Super Bowl, the Eagles and the Seahawks. Don't forget about the Vikings. The Vikings are really good. The Vikings just beat the Falcons. But between the Vikings, 
the Seahawks and the Eagles, the NFC is extremely competitive. And last night could have been the NFC Championship game, the Eagles and Seahawks. The biggest surprise of the Eagles-Seahawks game for me was the Seahawks' defensive line. The Seahawks got pressure almost no matter what the Eagles did. It was unbelievable. I haven't seen a team dominate like that for quite a while. Honestly, since University of Washington dominated WSU in the Apple Cup a couple weeks ago, it was really the Seahawks' defensive line made huge, huge plays. And that was the difference for the Seahawks. Well, one of the differences. The other obvious difference was Russell Wilson. Last night, we saw fantastic quarterback play. I don't want to take away from Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz did play really, really well for the Eagles. He made some great plays. But at the end of the day, Carson Wentz couldn't overcome the pass rush that the Seahawks were bringing. Russell Wilson is unbelievable. You had better appreciate Russell Wilson. How do I define valuable? I've talked about this many times before. My computer is the most valuable thing in this room. It's not my camera. It's not my microphone. It's not my lights. The most valuable thing in this room even though it's not nearly the most expensive, it's my computer. Without my computer, I wouldn't be recording. I couldn't have a way to edit this. This show would not exist without my computer. So even though it's maybe like the eighth most expensive thing in this room, it is the most valuable because I couldn't make a show without it. Russell Wilson is the NFL MVP. For a long time, even leading up to this season, people would tell me, Russell Wilson has paid too much. He's really not worth the money. You have got to be insane to still believe that. The Seahawks have scored 30 offensive touchdowns this season. And Russell Wilson is responsible for 29 of those 30. He has 26 passing touchdowns and 3 rushing touchdowns. Russell Wilson is critical to success. That's how I define valuable. Valuable is to be critical with... uh, Is your... To be valuable is to be critical to success. Without it, you would fail. Without Russell Wilson, the Seahawks would be lost. Russell Wilson is the NFL MVP, and he is a top three quarterback in this league. In no order, it's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. Honestly, Brady couldn't win games on the Seahawks. Russell Wilson does things that Tom Brady could not do. We take him for granted all the time. Everybody does. Seahawks fans all around the league. Russell Wilson is unbelievable. There was a third and 12 last night. Russell Wilson didn't get the first down. But I remember on third and 12 last night, Russell Wilson ran for eight yards. But the key was this. It should have been a six-yard loss. I watched Russell Wilson escape a guy's grasp, do a spin move, run around, and eventually gain eight yards and not get the first down, but set them up fourth and four. I think they kicked a field goal, I believe. Regardless... Russell Wilson just, he does things that no one else can do. Russell Wilson should be the NFL MVP. Did you see that play last night? So his arm is unbelievable. Like you can't coach it. You can't prepare for it. Russell Wilson's legs, he can run anywhere. But he's now, he's now beating people. The first couple of years, Russell Wilson ran around a lot. Russell Wilson runs out of necessity, but he can beat you with his arm. There was a play, the Eagles did an all-out blitz on 3rd and 10. And Russell Wilson calmly sat there, threw a touchdown to Doug Baldwin, and it was like, it was a perfect pass. We need to appreciate Russell Wilson. Without Russell Wilson, the Seahawks would not stand a chance. He's a top three quarterback in this league, and he's the NFL MVP in my mind. 
The lesson here with Russell Wilson is this. Look at what maturity can do for you. Cam Newton is 6'5". Russell Wilson is 5'11". Cam Newton's bigger. He has a bigger arm. He's faster. He has all the physical tools. And don't get me wrong, Russell Wilson's incredibly talented. But maturity is what has helped Russell Wilson more than anything. In two weeks, Russell Wilson became... He, Russell Wilson transferred from North Carolina State to Wisconsin. And in two weeks, he became a team captain voted by the players of Wisconsin's football team. Leadership. Maturity. Look at Johnny Manziel. The issue with Johnny Manziel is maturity. The issue with Cam Newton is, we're all, for all his physical gifts, he cannot get the maturity thing down. Like, let's compare Deshaun Watson to Cam Newton. Deshaun Watson has a weak arm. He's a running quarterback. He, he won a lot. When Deshaun Watson, the Texans rookie quarterback, came out of the draft this year, everybody was scared away because he didn't have the physical tools. But Deshaun Watson's a winner, and he's incredibly mature. Take a lesson from that. Take a lesson from Russell Wilson. Maturity is so important. For some reason, for some stupid reason, it is underrated when it comes to quarterbacks. But maturity is absolutely necessary and very important when it comes to drafting a quarterback. That's why teams have to be careful with Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is my favorite football player in college football. I love Baker Mayfield. He's a warrior. He's a true battler. But he's got maturity issues. He really does. He's grabbing his crotch, saying dumb things, planting flags. He's doing things that aren't quarterback eel. It's one of my problems with Trump. You know, Trump scares me, but Trump says, he says things. I'm like, dude, you can't say that. You can't say it. Where I lay politically is not here or there. I'm actually more of a supporter than you would think of Trump. But the guy opens his mouth. and's like, that's not presidential. Baker Mayfield does things that aren't quarterback eel. That's not how a quarterback acts. Josh Rosen, I met Josh Rosen growing up. When we played, we played football together a couple times uh, in, in NFL, in camps. He always thought he was right. He always thought he knew better than the coaches. And him and coaches would butt heads sometimes. It's a maturity issue. Beware of Baker Mayfield. Beware of Josh Rosen for their maturity issues. We've seen that with Johnny Menzel. We see it with Cam Newton now. And we see it with Deshaun Watson. That's what makes Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson so great. Even Carson Wentz. They have extreme maturity. I want to move into this. Lane Kiffin is a fantastic, fantastic coach that we need to appreciate. Lane Kiffin is the head coach at Florida Atlantic University. And Lane Kiffin has really been through the fire. This guy has been through everything. He was fired by the Raiders. He, he left USC. He was fired by USC. He ran out of Tennessee once. He, he was... Oh, him and Nick Saban. He was a, he was a former the formerly the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin have a butted heads all the time. Nick Saban was highly highly critical of Lane Kiffin. Last year, Lane Kiffin left Alabama to be the head coach at the at Florida Atlantic University. Lane Kiffin has done an absolutely fantastic job. I followed the guy all year. I've been watching his team. I've been Kind of keep keeping myself updated with his team. My goodness, they did a great job. Right now, Florida Atlantic, Lane Kiffin's team is on a nine-game winning streak. Basically, once the, they got through their first four games, they had a win and two losses. Uh, they, they, lost, they lost the first game, they lost the fourth game, and I believe they won the second game. They were 1-3 and three to start, 
Once they got through those first four games as a team, they just absolutely dominated everybody they played. Once they figured out the offense and got some cohesion, man, they turned it on. And they were in a hurry. They were a nine-game winning streak. It was unbelievable. Basically, every time Florida Atlantic plays anyone who's on a level playing field, who has equivalent athletes now, Florida Atlantic just dominates them because they have better coaching. It's unbelievable. This weekend, Lane Kiffin and Florida Atlantic won Conference USA. They got a bowl game. They're going to play Akron in the bowl game, which that means that they're going to win a bowl game, and they have 10 wins right now. They'll have an 11-win season when it is all said and done. Don't forget, Florida Atlantic was 3-9 and nine last season. Florida Atlantic has the same players, the same starters. They just got a new coach. That's an eight-game swing. Lane Kiffin is worth eight games. That is how much better Lane Kiffin is than other coaches. Listen to these numbers. Lane Kiffin put up 69 points on a team this year. 48, 58, 42, 45. He is trouncing people. Lane Kiffin is annihilating other teams. Lane Kiffin will not be at Florida Atlantic for very much longer. Lane Kiffin is a fantastic coach that really, really is going to do big things down the road. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take another short break. When I return, I have the feel-good story of the year. There's something that always, always happens at the end of football seasons. And I always ask, like, is that really how it has to go down? And finally, I'm finally seeing an example of something where someone seems to be doing it the right way. And I'm really excited about that. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. And tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'll be right back. All right, I am back. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I want to talk about Scott Frost. Scott Frost was just hired by the University of Nebraska to be their head coach. He signed a seven-year, $35 million deal. You may not know who Scott Frost is. And if you don't, let me tell you, Scott Frost is the head coach at the University of Central Florida. University of Central Florida went 12-0 this year. He took over the program two years ago. He went 6-7 and last year. Scott Frost absolutely turned around the University of Central Florida football team. He turned the whole program around in two years. It's unbelievable. It's unheard of. There's a great article I'm going to put in the comments below. Uh, it's, by, it's by Pat Clark. Pat Clark's Two Cents, Scott Frost's Dilemma. It talks all about how when Scott Frost decided to leave for Nebraska, he had a really, really tough decision. This is why the story is interesting. Scott Frost is from Nebraska. He grew up in Nebraska. He played quarterback for Nebraska in 1997 when Nebraska won the national championship. Scott Frost was the quarterback. So now Scott Frost is returning home to coach at Nebraska. And this article is really great. It talks about how even for Scott Frost, it was a hard confliction. Going home was actually a hard decision for him because he really loves what he built at Central Florida. He came to love the kids, came to love the program. He likes living there in Orlando. And going home is a risk because if you go home and fail, my goodness, you have no home left. You can't go home to Nebraska. You can't go back to Central Florida because you already left there. Scott Frost is taking a big risk by going to... I know no one thinks of it that way. Everyone thinks of it. Oh, I'm so excited. Of course he'd go home. But really, it's, it's a big risk to go home. If you fail there, it's, that's scary. But I like that Scott Frost is not afraid of failure. He's like, no, I'm going to take this head on. I'm going to go be the head coach at Nebraska. 
but he also loves Central Florida. Usually when a head coach leaves at the end of a season, so like a team will have a great year, they're like a, a 10 and 3. Like imagine if, if Lane Kiffin left right now. Lane Kiffin is a head coach at Florida Atlantic. He just went 10 and 3 with Florida Atlantic. If he left right now, and he just he would say, oh, I'm taking another job, Lane Kiffin leaves. For the bowl game, there would be no head coach for Florida Atlantic. They would have some interim, interim head coach. It'd be hard for them. They'd all lose their cohesiveness. They'd probably lose their bowl game. Scott Frost, when Scott Frost got the job at Nebraska, he was the current head coach at University of Central Florida right now. He decided he's going to coach the bowl game, which is so cool and unheard of. Again, usually when a coach gets a job at the end of the year, he bails, he leaves, and the whole university he leaves behind is left in shambles because they have no pieces left to pick up. They still have a couple games left, and they, they're just like, we're a mess. We have a bowl game, and we have no one to coach us. Scott Frost loves what he built at University of Central Florida. He loves the players. He loves the atmosphere. And he said, no, I'm going to coach this bowl game. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I see it every time. I'm like, you can't just finish the season. You build this whole thing with these players, and now you're going to leave. Imagine if you did a project with someone for months and months and months, and then the last minute, right before your culminating project, they bailed out and said, no, nah, I'm good. I'm done. I'm going to go do something else. You'd be heartbroken. So I love that Scott Frost has committed to his players and said, I'm going to coach this bowl game. We're going to win the bowl game, and I love it. I really, really love it. Another interesting perspective is the new athletic director for Nebraska. So Scott Frost's new boss talked about this. Bill Moose, actually interesting, formerly the Washington State athletic director. Bill Moose, the Nebraska athletic director, talked about Scott Frost's decision to stay and coach the bowl game for Central Florida. He pointed out that it's basically a three-hour marketing campaign for Nebraska. Because you're going to see... Scott Frost's offense, Scott Frost on TV a lot. And you know the broadcasters are going to talk all about how he's going to Nebraska. So it's basically a giant commercial. University of Central Florida's bowl game is now a commercial for Nebraska football. That's awesome. But I wanted to especially commend Scott Frost. It's unheard of for a coach to stay for the bowl game. And I'm so glad he's doing it. I see it every year and I'm like, man, you can't just do it the right way. You can't finish off the season with your players. Scott Frost is doing just that. And I absolutely love it. Jimmy Garoppolo made his much-anticipated first start for the San Francisco 49ers this weekend. It was awesome. It was really cool. I want to talk about that. How did that start go? I want to react to what he did. First of all, Jimmy Garoppolo got his first win. It was really cool. He got his first start, and he got his first win for the 49ers. The 49ers beat the Chicago Bears 15-14. to now, I don't want to overreact. I know that we all want to make comparisons to Tom Brady and talk about how, oh, Tom Brady's protege looks really good. Calm down, everybody. Relax. Relax. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good. He did look good. But he had no touchdowns. He was not able to finish drives. They had to kick five field goals, for goodness sake. Relax. He's not suddenly a Pro Bowl quarterback. However, Jimmy Garoppolo did some really... Really good things. Things I just love to see. Here is the key, and here's what Jimmy Garoppolo did more than anything else. Here's what Jimmy Garoppolo just really blew me away with this weekend when he played against the Bears. Jimmy Garoppolo's accuracy was unbelievable. He was scary accurate, especially down the middle of the field. It was like, what? 
I, I haven't seen a guy fit balls into those small windows in a long time. And the way he threw the ball just with confidence. Not even he doesn't even care. There's there's a window, bam, I'm throwing the ball. I don't care. I, I know I can make that throw. And we saw the San Francisco 49ers receiving core overnight go from a bunch of average dudes that can't play very well to looking like all-stars. Guys like Trent Taylor, Garrett Selleck, George Kittle, Marquise Goodwin. Guys you don't know, probably have never heard of. Looked like all-stars this weekend because they were playing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo does something. I heard, he, if he learned anything from Tom Brady, it must have been this. Because I heard one time a, a former receiver talking about playing with Tom Brady. How Tom Brady will throw you open. There's a defender on your left. He'll throw the ball to the right side of your body and protect you. And you just go where the ball is. He always puts the ball in the right place. That is how Jimmy Garoppolo played this weekend. It's really hard to drop passes when they're perfectly right in your hands. It's, it's easy to look like a great receiver when a guy is just dropping dimes and putting the ball right on the money. And that is what Jimmy Garoppolo did. Jimmy Garoppolo was scary accurate. Like NFL Tom Brady level accurate. Like, wow. Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely a starter in this league. We don't know, I don't know about leadership, I don't know about all the other stuff, but I know after one game, Jimmy Garoppolo is scary accurate and is definitely a starter in the NFL. He's clearly professional. He's been there for how many weeks and he already seemed to know the offense pretty well. Not mastered it. Clearly they had some limited playbook stuff, but man, I'm really, really excited to see the future of Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. He's scary accurate. He looks amazing throwing the football. I'm I'm really, really pumped. I'm really, really excited for the future of Jimmy Garoppolo. He looks legit, and he looks really good. I want to talk about the last story of the day. It's Michigan football. John Harbaugh turned around Michigan football very quickly. In his first two seasons, he had 10 wins each. Imagine taking over a program that was awful in the very next season winning 10 games. Very similar to Lane Kiffin at Florida Atlantic. That is all coaching. Same players, different coach. 10-win season, that's a fantastic, fantastic coach. But people are getting kind of tired. Jimmy Harbaugh only won eight games this year. It was eight and four. And people all over Michigan are getting starting to get kind of chippy and kind of critical of Jim Harbaugh. Is Jim Harbaugh really that great? Is he worth all the money? <clears throat> Jim Harbaugh has never had a real quarterback. We've never seen Jim Harbaugh have a great quarterback at Michigan. And I think the minute Jim Harbaugh gets a great quarterback at Michigan— we're going to see some spectacular special football. Well, guess what? Guess what? Jim Harbaugh may just get a great quarterback. Shea Patterson, University of Mississippi or Ole Miss's quarterback, may be transferring out of Ole Miss. He was given permission to talk to other football teams and look at making a move and transferring away. That is because of the huge the Hugh Freeze allegations. There was a big problem. A lot of sanctions were dropped onto Ole Miss this offseason. Uh, bowl ban, and they losing a lot of scholarships. And the parameters that were given to Shea Patterson, a great quarterback at Ole Miss, was that he can't transfer within the SEC, and he can't go to another team that Ole Miss plays in the next two years on their schedule. Shea Patterson is a fantastic, fantastic quarterback. Everybody's been highly, highly critical of Jim Harbaugh. Well, now, guess what? If Shea Patterson does go to Michigan, turn the magnifying glass up to 100. Look real close. Because if Jim Harbaugh can't win with Shea Patterson, yeah, that's a problem. 
But I really believe if Shea Patterson, the current Ole Miss quarterback, transfers to Michigan, we're talking about national championships for Michigan. Michigan could be unbelievable. Shea Patterson at Michigan would make Michigan a national championship contender overnight. Because that level of coaching, the physicality, the great defense that Jim Harbaugh's team always have, mixed with a great quarterback, it'd be unbelievable. It really would. So look at that story. Be very aware of it. Look closely. If Shea Patterson goes to Michigan, Michigan overnight is a scary, scary football team that's going to compete for national championship next season. My name is Zach Schaumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. I put my full videos on YouTube, my entire show. I put up a full YouTube video there. I also put out my best, most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. We've grown a lot since August 31st, my first show. I'm really excited. We have a great fan base. Really nice people, too. Really awesome guys uh, listen and comment on YouTube. Tell your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. And have a great day, everybody.